friend. My friend, what has become of you? We've done our best to take care of you, keep you comfortable. It took me like two weeks to build the hospital bed inside of the nerd cave. I just... I wish... I wish there was a way for me to express how guilty I feel that you're not going to be on the show anymore. Just... You were, you were the best history podcast co-host that a guy could ask for. And I, I just have to let you go. Right. It's almost like I can hear him now. Like he's in the room with us. Right. You, you're leaning on my foot. Eric. Oh, I'm sorry. Eric. Uh, You have huge elbows. You're alive! I was never dead. I know, but you're awake. You're conscious. You're human again. Yeah. How you feel? Okay. A little pain in the back. But I'm okay. Well, it's because you've been laying down for five weeks. That that, that would do it. Um, look, I've, I have tried so hard to find the person who, who shot you. And the police were no, no good. I thought it was Dave at some point, And... He, all I know is that it was a woman. Yeah. Yeah, I know. You know? What do you mean you know? Well, I was there. I know who shot me. You remember who shot you? Well, who was it? It was Martha. What? It was Martha. It's not the first time she's done it. God, she's such a good poker face. I asked her like six times. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Everyone said that the last time she did it. <coughs> you should ask my sister. This she is not you. the first time she's done it? Every time she's pregnant, she usually either clubs me over the head or, or shoots me. This time, uh, I think it's because I, I ate her ice cream. Which is totally my my bad. I I own up to that. Yeah. You know, this is something that you might want to tell your co-host that just prep for next time. Oh yeah. Well, I'm getting a vasectomy after this, so so don't worry about it. Okay. Hey, is that a new poster? Welcome to Nerds on History. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. I'm back. I'm Eric Brickmont. And I am now out of a job. <laughs> I am Brian Moriarty. Yes, sir, it is so good to have you back. I can't believe it. I'm actually back. And it feels good. It feels good to be conscious. It feels good to be awake. Much cozier now, isn't it? Because we usually are on opposite sides of the table. Now, now we're like, like staring each other down. We've, exactly. we've had some, some changes in the nerd cave. Yeah, with these new arms that we're using to hold our mics lets us kind of change it up a little bit which is good because if i wasn't leaning in this chair right now i would be in worse pain than i actually am yeah Eric. ladies and gentlemen i have to state <laughs> i was not actually in a coma as you all know i was off being a dad and having an amazing time at it and welcoming my new daughter amelia into the world and uh, i have very generously been allowed to have a good five weeks away from my regular hosting duties here at nerdonomy uh, to be with my family and, and help with my my little one. So I want to thank uh, not just Brian, but everyone, the whole Nerdonomy team, and all of our, our guest hosts who came on and filled in for me while I was gone. Uh, you folks have my eternal gratitude, so thank you so much. No, um, I, I, I agree 100%. Um, if it was not for some fantastic guest hosts we had, uh, the podcast would not have survived. It would have been a very boring series of 20-minute podcasts. It would have been the Brian Hour with 
Brian. The Brian Hour, which is actually 20 minutes. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, we all saw what happened when I have to do the podcast by myself. It's oh, a 20-minute episode. You did so. fine. I am, however, nursing a rather severe pinched nerve or pulled muscles as I have thrown out my back no more than about four or five hours ago. I texted Brian while I was at work because we're actually recording this on april 1st and this is not an april fool's joke this is legit you actually pulled your back yeah my back is and i did ask messed. that this is an april fool's joke he was freaking out and i'm like no no it's it's real my back is yeah i'm in terrible pain however martha after she came home from the hospital still had some of these ginormous like horse pill-esque uh, extra pain strength killers. ibuprofen yeah yeah and uh so i'm i'm on that right now <laughs> so if i sound like i'm heavily medicated and in pain it's not just the acting from the whole who shot eb bit but uh <laughs> the fact that i actually have been paid and laughing makes it hurt more so i just wanted our listeners to know that it's genuine it's real <laughs> it's indeed it's real genuine. well I'm, um, I, I'm i am so so glad that you you are back sir well thank you very much it's it's been too long and i'm ready to get back into this in fact i believe we have some listener feedback this week in listener feedback so the first piece of feedback, I actually would like to address uh, an issue we had. And I, I really want to bring this up because it, it was my fault. So um, God, I'm gone for five weeks, Brian. Five weeks. Uh, when Sarah was on the show, we, we did a fabulous show on the myths around the lost civilization of Atlantis. I'm going to be totally honest. I still haven't been able to bring myself to listen to it. You son of a... I've- Every single episode that happened when I was on break, but I have not been able to bring myself to listen. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it this week, but you know it was a sore subject for me. That being said, we got some feedback from Paige, and Paige had posted on our Facebook page about when we made a comment about Kentucky, and uh, that uh, the character, uh, the guy of Edward Edward Case uh, was from Kentucky. And I made the comment, I hate to bring up a stereotype here, but, you know, when you're talking about the fact that he was basically using Atlantis to uh, support race science, it's like, I hate knowing, just, you know, you're not not doing yourself any favors. And uh, unfortunately, I think that offended somebody quite a bit. And so I'd like to read what she said. People from Kentucky listen to your podcast, or used to, anyway. Uh, It's pretty impressive that you went straight from discussing the absurdity of race theory to making your own sweeping generalization of millions of people based on geography. From my experience... Kentuckians are a lot less bigoted towards others than others towards Kentucky. Oh, and having family in Kentucky doesn't make it okay. And just having black, like just like having black friends, isn't licensed to be a racist. Uh, I felt like there was a, this is a huge opportunity for us to to win back a listener. So we reached out to to Paige personally, and we owned up to it. And honestly, it was said in humor. We do not apologize for us expressing ourselves artistically. Um, you know, we say jokes in the moment, and Nerds on Film has it. It's full load of offensive humor um but this was a genuine i think mishap because Paige brought some really good points to light uh things that i had actually forgotten she said uh, to be honest i don't really consider kentucky to be part of the south and uh, neither do a lot of kentuckians i'm sure you know that kentucky was neutral at the beginning of the civil war and was never part of the confederacy and eventually decided to side with the union uh, anyway i lived in the south proper for seven years and i didn't find it terribly racist compared to suburban chicago where i live now is what she said what i have found though is that people uh, here really need the south to be horribly racist in their minds because otherwise they'd feel bad about looking down on southerners which they most certainly do without the slightest twinge of guilt about it and everyone needs to feel superior to someone of course there are racists in the south as there are everywhere california's race record is not so great either for instance uh, but perpetuating negative stereotypes, even when there is some kernel of truth to them, is not helpful. 
And again, she was thankful for responding. And she makes excellent points at this point. And that's why I wanted to bring them up. And she was right. And I, I was, and I am guilty as charged. I am a hypocrite for being on a podcast that is all about not enforcing stereotypes and bringing the truth out there and me succumbing to, to one. Um, uh, I would say that to keep in mind, though, that you are a human being and it's okay to be human and it's okay to, to have faults and it's okay, especially if you recognize them. And if you acknowledge them. And that's what I'm very proud of about this show. Because we've had a few slips of the tongue. Or we've had something that we've said that has offended somebody in the past. And we've always acknowledged it. We've never tried to hide it or run away from it. And we've always learned something from it. And we've been able to share that experience with others. And I know that somebody else has learned something from it. So, you know, yes, it was unfortunate that we made somebody upset. And we are, again, sorry, Paige. But I'm actually kind of glad that it happened. Me too. Because it gave us a really awesome opportunity to talk about it here on the show. Absolutely. I apologize to the entire state of Kentucky for what I said, because it was kind of short-sighted. And it was, again, it was in jest, but it was not, it was, um, it was ignorant. And I apologize for that. And one thing I will always do is I will always do my best to make sure the correct information is getting out there. And I do not believe in, in spreading misinformation. And I certainly do not believe in spreading ignorance. So, uh, mea culpa, mea culpa, mea culpa. And as a way of, of reparations, Brian has committed to drinking not just one, but two bottles of Kentucky bourbon every day for the next uh, 50 years. And the headaches have been unbelievable, mostly just because, I mean, it's good stuff. It doesn't really give you a hangover, but dear God, you're not supposed to drink the whole bottle. Yeah, I don't think you're going to make it to 50 years. No, and I've also um, decided to wear a salise around my, my left thigh in proper Catholic fashion. I'm wearing a crown of thorns around my, my oh. leg. Oh, that's so, good. So, and, that's um, good, I like that. And then Monday starts the self-flagellation. Oh, well, you were already doing that for other reasons, so this is just one extra Yeah, but flag. this time I'm doing, using a, a, a whips with much firmer hooks on oh, the cat okay. and nine tails, so good. it's going to be interesting, to yeah. say the least. All right, excellent. Well, I'm glad that we addressed all that. <laughs> uh, let's, uh, let's move on to another piece, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> We've creeped out our audience at this point. <laughs> uh, our next piece comes from Matilda, and I love this name. I love this name for so very many reasons. Waltzing Matilda is actually one of my favorite songs, and it's something that I've always sung as a lullaby, believe it or not, to all of my children. So uh, all of our friends in Australia, that one was for you. Uh, Matilda says, do we really have to include subjects? Topics, I guess. Hello, nerds. Just getting this out of the way. Love the podcast. It's so great to actually learn stuff that's not crap. Seeing as Canada only focuses on Canadian history. And we've had a pretty boring country, but I'll get to that later. So, yeah. Great podcasts. Uh, by the way, to any of our Canadians who are listening <laughs> on the tail end of that last uh, feedback, these are absolutely Matilda's words and not mine. I you know find Canada fascinating. It's, though, it's funny because we've made some friends recently. We made our friends, Middleissa and Josh from, uh, from, from NMX. NMX yeah. uh, and they're so irrevocably Canadian. They're so they're so amazing. And it's like, no, it's probably true, eh? Be careful because she addresses that in this. They don't say A. It's true. They don't say A. a hey is... But they do... They do sound very stereotypically Canadian. You mean they're, they're nice? Yes, they're exactly. very, very nice. And they've got the, you know, the, the kind of the north of Minnesota kind yeah. of dialect going on. Anyhow, she continues. Uh, now into the actual stuff. Topic suggestions. This one I don't really care about, but it would be nice if you did do something, no matter how small, on Canada. The only time I feel like it would be brought up is July 1st, but that's kind of overshadowed by July 4th. Uh, maybe one day, who knows? Although I do think that this episode is due. Not long overdue, just due. Russia and the Cold War. 
Seeing as tensions between Ukraine and Russia is rising, Crimea is now part of Russia, stuff is going down, world suck is increasing, and it would be a good time to educate people on past events. I don't know, just an idea. Thanks, Matilda. Sure. Matilda's a great idea. Yeah, it's a great idea. And Crimea, there's a lot, I think, that the American public doesn't know. Um, yeah. One, namely the fact that Crimea was at one point part of Russia before the Soviet Union, before the whole formation of, the, of Ukraine. And it so. does have a very long-standing ethnic background that is predominantly Russian. It, it goes back a couple hundred years, yeah. at minimum. So it's, it's not saying that what Russia's doing is okay. It's not. But yeah, at the same time, Ukraine has a constitution for a reason and has things written into its constitution for a reason that Russia simply went ahead and violated but that is a topic for another episode i agree and it's one coming up soon actually we did agree with that yes so matilda um we wanted to wait till i was coming back because this is actually a subject that i am very interested in and we'll be doing that in canada i'm sure we could fit canada in there somewhere sure absolutely there's always room for canada there's always room for canada like just jello. like jello just like jello exactly <laughs> like, just yes. like jello uh our next piece of feedback comes from annalee uh subject nerds are awesome um and to my response duh <laughs> yeah uh hi nerds I recently discovered the world of podcasting, and being a history geek, it didn't take me long to stumble across your wonderful podcast. Well, thank you. After listening to one episode, I was totally sold. I decided that I wanted to hear you guys from the very beginning, and that's what I've been doing during the last two months. Well, good on you. That's a lot of listening. Uh, I hope it doesn't sound too weird, but as a result from listening to you guys pretty much every single day... I almost feel like I know you guys and kind of wish I lived in the Bay Area to join some of the nerd outings. Since I live all the way in London, I decided to have a day outing by myself and headed to the British Museum to see the mummies. And she said she did so while listening to our Emotep is a bad ass episode, or one we did a long time ago on, uh, on mummies, a mummification. And uh, it was like her special commentary to enhance the experience. So, Yeah, I love that she goes on to talk about how she is actually from Mexico, but she's living in London. Yeah. And she actually references my honorary Max Mexican nationality, which made me smile when I read this. What I do find interesting is that she is actually from Mexico, and she's been living in London for about the past four years. And she she actually thinks it's kind of neat um, that we have a connection, you know, because of my honorary uh, Mexican nationality, as she puts it. And I've, I've put it before. Um, so I, I think that's kind of neat. Uh, you know, she talks about how she thinks, how she feels like she kind of knows us. Uh, which is fantastic. We yeah. love you dearly for it. And she it, even we, goes on to talk about vampires, I believe. Yeah. It's a very lengthy email, so we can't read it verbatim, but um, Annalie, thank you so much. You know, we are recording on the oddest of days. We are recording on April 1st, which has a couple of significant reasons. One, we talked about last year, uh, April Fool's Day, right? The Julian New Year. We've brought this up so many times. You know, it's become... Oh, we got brought up during the New Year's episode. Actually, the Julian New Year was the April Fool's. Oh, something right? that I, I personally celebrate. Yeah, exactly. You all we did. We had the ball and the clock and everything. And it's also kind of cool because, you know, it's also my my, uh, my dad and my stepmom's wedding anniversary, too. They've been married 17 years today. I had so. a friend whose sister was born on April Fool's Day. Yeah. Which nobody ever believed, but it was true. Yeah, and it got us thinking about... It is kind of a strange holiday in retrospect. It's an air quote holiday. Yeah. It's not an official holiday. It's not one. I mean, what are we celebrating? It's, it's, it's a, we're celebrating a calendar system we don't use anymore. Where's our parade? You know, it's like, <laughs> what, like, like, what, what is, what does that look like? Um, it's so, not significant enough to get gifts, but it's still enough in people's memory that people mention yeah, it on the radio. Unless you consider gifts practical jokes, in which case it's like Christmas. Yeah. So. That's right. We just got thinking about, well, what are some of the other more absurd holidays out there? And we're going to challenge you guys, because most of what we're going to talk about today is 100% true. 
and the other part is complete and total rubbish. 100% false, exactly. And it's up to you guys to figure out which ones we're talking about. And yes, you could Google it and totally make us look like fools. But you're not. But you're not. Honor you policy. Honor. Exactly. Honor policy. Because you're, you're smarter than that. And we want you to email <laughs> us. You want, we want you to tell us which one of these stories is the real one, which one is the fake one, and whoever uh, gets closest gets a special shout out on Nerds on History. We will probably have Dave do some social media, like you said. Yeah. Some and we'll figure out. out the rest of the rules at the end of the episode by the time we think them up. There you go. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be a late episode tonight. We're, gonna, we're just going to have fun. We're going to talk about some of these very interesting traditions. It's my of... first one back in like a month, so you got to give me a break. Just be gentle with them. It's, just, it's been a while. Wow, Brian. <laughs> Way to make it awkward. <clears throat> so, uh, you know what? I think I'm going to kick this one off, seeing as it is my first episode back after being away for so long. Go right ahead. Our very first strange holiday comes to us from Mexico, homeland of my wife. Beautiful country. Been there. Love it. And it actually comes from Oaxaca, the city of Oaxaca. Uh, and, and the home of Mezcal, which is amazing, by the way. Amazing. In this very uh, well-known city, there is a, a holiday that's celebrated on December 23rd, and it's known as the Night of the Radishes. <laughs> I personally, huge fan of the radish. I have it in my pozole whenever my, my mother-in-law makes also it. Also excellent in a house salad. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's good mm. stuff. Brought by the Spaniards originally. Uh, not native to Central America. And it's very interesting because this holiday involves the growing of particularly large radishes. Many of them are about six pounds. And they're good 20 inches in length. I mean, they're ginormous radishes. And they are uh, then carved into these really elaborate decorations. Some of them, because it's so close to Christmas, obviously, have to do with Jesus and the nativity. Um, some of them are just, you know, family scenes and settings. Others are elaborate buildings with, you know, intricate details carved into them. So it's extremely popular, and it's been around for quite some time. In fact, it began back in 1897 uh, in the Sokolo, into the, in the main plaza of Oaxaca. And they think originally it was done by kind of shopkeeps who were trying to entice and invite people to come and look at their wares and what have you. Uh, but eventually it became this tradition, and now it's held annually. In fact, uh, just a few years ago, somebody won 15,000 pesos, which is, uh, you know, a little over, I don't know, $1,500, about $1,400 US. It's a nice little prize. Yeah. yeah, for spending an afternoon carving a radish. Yeah, absolutely. I'll take it. It's interesting. Uh, I find a really, really odd parallel to that. And actually, it's one I can I can bring home. It's uh, my dad's home and my brother's current home of Durango, Colorado. Uh, it's called Snowdown, and it happens usually the first or second week of February. And uh, at this point, it's the dead of winter. It's freaking cold <laughs> uh, in, in Durango. And not a lot of people are down doing anything. So all of the restaurants band together, and they host, the whole town throws this whole week-long festival called Snowdown. And uh, Sean's been part of it the past few years. There's always a theme involved. They've done superheroes, they've done monsters, they've done nerds one year, all these cool things. When I was there a couple years ago with zombies. Oh, yes. Uh, nice. And Sean was the referee. Uh, he was refereeing this whole <laughs> uh, relay race between all these different waiters at all these different restaurants because Durango has like the most restaurants per capita <laughs> of like any small town in the United States, I think. It's something ridiculous like that. And it's all, like, high-quality gourmet restaurants, too. Oh, yeah. 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 No it's Burger King. There's a Burger King. There's one. Oh, but it's a high-quality Burger King. Yeah, and no, not many people go to it, so. Oh, really? No. Nope. Not really. Um, anyway, so, um, <laughs> and according to Sean, this goes back to the 1970s. Um, and he doesn't have the exact date yet, but 
when I, when I was there, they had a spam carving contest. <gasps> I've heard of that before. They had to, so you were given the can of spam and you had to spam carve a little monster. Yeah. Out of it, and whoever got the best one won a prize. Oh, spam is awesome for art. I've used spam before for for stuff like that. Just of course you, know. you have. No, really, I have. <laughs> I know. My father loves spam. He absolutely adores it. I think it's because he grew up during the Great Depression. Oh, it makes total sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've you know they used to say don't play with your food, but with spam you just can't help it because it's the perfect uh, medium for creating sculptures. Yeah, I mean, it is pretty much that's all it's really good for, unless you are on the brink of starvation, in which case it will it will sustain you. But yeah, you, you can live on it, but not for long. You'll need you'll need you'll need lots and lots of water. Yeah, with it, lots and lots of water. Yeah, don't don't have it if you're on a on a. Do not you know, listen to Sir Spam a lot. He yeah. is full of lies. <laughs> tiny little night full of lies. Anyway, <laughs> continue. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. I just I, I you know it is absolutely one of the most impressive uh, vegetable festivals that is held around the world, and the the craftsmanship is is absolutely uh, fantastic. And you know I I just think that it the radish is the perfect medium. Besides spam, obviously, spam is a close second. I think radish is number one. It makes sense. You know, if you have your meat, you gotta have your veg. Exactly. So. <laughs> <laughs> but the the radish itself, with its red skin and its white meat, if you will, is the perfect contrast. So you can really carve some really striking figures. Yeah, and it's very fitting considering that this is a Christmas kind of ish themed yeah. holiday. You know, we talked about how the symbolism of red and white during our Christmas episodes and the fact that those two colors naturally occur and they play into that exactly extremely well. And if you have a radish that's slightly off, then you can have red and green. Sure. And there you go. Yeah, it's it completes radish, the Christmas it's not miracle. quite ripe yet, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It completes the Christmas miracle. So. <laughs> it does indeed. Uh, so that's what I have to say on it. And if you are ever in the city of Oaxaca and you're there on December 23rd, bring a radish. There you go. Well, since you mentioned vegetables, let me throw you uh, a fruit, if you will. Okay. The one I find very interesting is uh, la tomatina. Oh, this is so cool. This is ridiculous. And it, it's in the best way possible. So I'm sure you've been in college and you may have had uh, a squirt gun fight or perhaps even a water balloon sure, battle. Sure. How about a tomato battle? A, a straight on food fight is what you're a talking straight about. Straight on food fight. But tomatoes only. Of epic proportions. Uh, in Boñol, Spain, uh, this is the largest food fight, and it were about 30,000 people, uh, both locals and tourists. They fill the main square, and they hurl locally grown tomatoes at one another. Uh, and guess how long this thing lasts? I'm going to say like two or three days. No, no. It's 90 minutes, but it's 90 oh. minutes of free-for-all, intense chucking of tomatoes and i'm sorry you know what this is i think i mean it, this has been going on since about 1944 1945 and it's probably just because that's the only thing they could do to rebel against franco's regime but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh this is done in celebration of the town's patron saint of saint louis bertrand and uh it was actually a form of anti-religious protest interestingly enough hmm. you see there apparently some as uh, this website jokes that i'm reading this from uh, or as an impulse after a tomato cart overturned. But um, <laughs> if you look at the picture they provide, it is mostly people who are maybe no more than 30, who are all pretty much shirtless and all chucking tomatoes at each other. I think it's kind of a definitely more of a college thing now. It's an excuse for people to get half naked mm. and slather each other in uh, in produce because then you got to clean up. And that's where the fun begins. See, I so. think just preceding the fight, there's got to be a huge influx in 60-somethings who just rush the tomatoes with bags 
and take like 40 or 50 of them and, and bring them home and, and cook sauce. Yeah. And in fact, there is a very similar festival in Italy, um, in the town of Marinato, where in fact, they, they start off with throwing onions at each other. And then once they've got all the onions dispersed, then they, then they throw in lots and lots of tomato. Uh, See, that's just messed up. An onion is heavy. That's going to hurt somebody. You can get a concussion with that. It does, but eventually, but no, onions break when you when you hit someone with them because they're again they're they're yeah, more layered. But so does the person's cranium. You don't aim for the head. That's oh, just not okay. cool. All right. So like pictorial region yeah. to the belly button. So besides that, everyone gets covered in onions and everyone gets covered in tomato and everyone's eyes are stinging quite a bit. But nevertheless, it's a lot of fun. Is there a cooked pasta fight after that? Because that just sounds like a recipe for that awesome... comes the next day. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. All right, interesting parallel. Very interesting yeah, I like parallel. That. I like that. That's good. Cross-cultural parallel development. People like to throw food at each other. It's true. Food it's fighting just, is just built into our DNA. We need to do more of it. It's universal. Yeah. As Animal House has taught us time mm-hmm. and time again. Exactly. Oh, how we miss you, Mr. Belushi. Mm-hmm. I was um, thinking the same thing, actually. Yeah, exactly. Same mind. Weird. Well, I've got one that is very topical. One that has to do a bit with current events, even has to do with listener feedback that we got today. And it's actually a holiday that's held not just in Russia, but also in Ukraine, within the whole the whole region itself. Um, and I'm, I'm going to absolutely butcher it. So Ukrainian and Russian listeners are out there. Please correct me on, on the name of it. Um, but in Ukrainian, it's Vizmitsvi. I'm probably saying that wrong. Uh, and in Russian, it's Vosmitsmi. And essentially, it is in celebration of, uh, of St. Nikitas, of Novgorod. So now this is uh, a really well-known saint. He has a really fascinating history, Mm -hmm. and he's inspired uh, this legend that has become the holiday. So I guess I'll start with the holiday, the practice now, and then I'll I'll go into who who he is and and kind of the the legend around it all. But let me me go into more of the modern holiday, and then we'll reflect on it and look at kind of its history, because it's really interesting, actually. Today, he is actually celebrated in many rural parts of southern and western Russia and throughout most of Ukraine, predominantly in Kiev, where he uh, was from. And the holiday actually sees men from the local area stealing something of their neighbor, hmm. family member, or in-law. So they, they take it, and they actually have to hold on to it. And it has to be an item of, you know, something something nice, right? So a really nice watch, Whatever, right? Something of value to that person. And you can only take it from somebody who is wealthy or better off than than you are, right? So you can't steal from somebody who's got less than you, is the, the general idea. And you hold on to it until May 14th. And May 14th is actually the feast celebration for St. Nikitas. And upon that day, you then give it back to the person you took it from. Um, what I find interesting is if you've taken something that the person needs, they can actually request it back, but they have to ask the person who took it. Okay. And that person may not have declared it. Right. So they're simply guessing if Hmm. they don't have proof. And if you, you know, declare that the wrong person stole your item, the person who actually took it doesn't have to give it back. And it's crazy because it's caused so many issues in recent years as you can imagine, uh, you know, some like crazy thefts have happened, like people's cars have been taken. Um, it's caused some serious domestic disputes because of it. And it's actually gotten to the point where they've wanted to outlaw it in some regions and prevent it from happening. Uh, probably one of the most notable examples was in Sochi for the Winter Olympics. The year before that, in 2013, they had outlawed the holiday. Interesting. And there was all of this 
all of this hoopla about it. In fact, a lot of tourists who were visiting the area and Olympians uh, saw a rise in theft and pickpocketing, people having their hotel rooms broken into, things being taken, all they think kind of out of protest for the outlawing of the holiday. And it seems totally crazy, but when you think about the origins of the holiday, you can kind of see you know where it all came from and why people kind of want to hold on to it. Because it's actually kind of a neat story. Because St. Nikitas who lived in the 12th century CE, uh, was born in Kiev. He was a monk at the Monastery of Caves. And he was extremely well-known in the area for uh, being a, a renowned archer. And I know it sounds kind of strange for a man of cloth, but that's not unusual. Monks oftentimes took part in a wide variety of different activities. Yeah. yeah. Beyond hobbies, it was just it was a, a show of, of skill and what have you. And in addition to that... His precision was so well-known. He was such a good aim that uh, he kind of took it upon himself to start encouraging some of the local members of the community who were of the uh, wealthier mindset to start donating a bit more at church. And the message that he would deliver would be a single arrow placed on their doorstep. And it was not meant to be a threat of violence, but it was instead a metaphor saying that if you are not kind to your neighbor, if you're not donating to your church, God might become vengeful and strike you down in a moment's notice like an hmm. arrow falling out of the sky interesting so this is obviously a legend that's been created around him and nobody really knows it sounds very robin hood-esque actually well that's the thing i know it sounds crazy but there are some scholars who actually believe that this legend this myth may also have inspired the myth of robin hood How? and well the the idea the only thing that they can really kind of link would be maybe like roma travelers who are from the ukraine region who are coming into Europe. We've talked about this on, on the Roma episode previously, and coming into England and bringing with them their local stories and legends that they had heard and, huh. and what have you. And they may very well have heard this this myth of, of St. Nikitas, or legend, I should say, because yeah. there are some people It makes who sense, because aside from, from the patron saint of archery, he is also the patron saint of merriment and giving to the poor. So it makes, it makes total um, sense that he would be the basis for that legendary character. Exactly, and even his his what he was known as kind of in in Ukraine the uh, and I'm totally going to butcher this, but the the Servanch Kovpek I'm to I'm no I'm saying it wrong, but the red hood associated with his monk's attire. I guess they wore you know instead of traditional brown, maybe they had something that was dyed a little bit more red or something like that. I don't know exactly, but it makes kind of sense then, doesn't it? It's mm -hmm. kind of crazy. To see the connection and, and how it's inspired this holiday, the idea of you stealing from your neighbor, you're teaching them a little lesson about, you know, humility and, and not having, but then eventually giving it back. But uh, just don't make any false accusations because you might end up without a car yeah. or in the middle of a domestic dispute. Totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So since you brought it to, to England, I like to jump back over the, to the new world Okay. Uh, for a moment, if that's okay. And uh, to talk a little bit about the pre-Hispanic cultures that were in the New World. You know, we're talking about, of course, the Mayans, the Incans, the, the Aztecs. And uh, it's not uncommon in those cultures, in the Mesoamerican cultures, um, for the gods to be a bit more vengeful in uh, their culture. Sure. And uh, in order to, uh, to appease them, there would have to be usually sacrifice made, which is not uncommon to, like, the pagan religions of, in Europe either. But unfortunately, the sacrifices are a little bit more gruesome in Mesoamerica, uh, oftentimes to appease the gods and to even prevent uh, the end of existence, they would spill human blood. And uh, particularly in this case, we're talking about the earth goddess uh, Pachamama, and I'm probably saying that name wrong uh, at this point. Sounds like an earth goddess to me, though. It doesn't, it doesn't indeed. And 
<laughs> demanded blood for to ensure a good harvest. This particularly uh, continues on to this day to the Bolivian village of Tinku, where they celebrate uh, the Punch Your Neighbor Festival. <laughs> Interesting. So we have stealing from neighbors, we have punching neighbors, and, and let's just carve a radish about it and just be done with it. Exactly. <laughs> and so they've decided to provide her with as much as she needed, and I think it's pretty much... Well, what's the general idea? So you, you literally just go up and you punch your neighbor to draw blood? Yeah, that's an it's just to ensure that... There, there's a good harvest for the year that they don't starve. I'm going to try that. Like, I need to punch you in the face. Why? Because we're going to starve otherwise. <laughs> I, I, I'm punching you in the face to feed my family. You, you broke my nose. Well, yeah, but corn. Ha! Huh. What now? Yeah. Yeah. Best so, comeback ever. <laughs> there you go. And think of this goes back at least 500 years. So there you have it. What's it called? What's the name of the festival? Uh, Pun- Punch your neighbor. Uh, so it's in the, the little. It's still celebrated in Tinku, which is a little. Uh, in Bolivia. You in said. Bolivia, yeah, and it's uh, the Punch Your Neighbor Festival. Punch Your Neighbor Festival. Yes, that's an interesting one. It is. I'm going to go ahead then and keep it in South America, if that's okay. Fine. Uh, because of the tuna festival in Guyana. So Guyana was one of the smallest countries in South America. It's mm-hmm. very tiny. It's it's right. It shares a border with Brazil, Venezuela, and Colombia, I believe. But it's, it's very small, and it is extremely well known, however, for its red-tailed catfish, which are some of the largest catfish in, in, in the world. Now, I said it was the tuna festival. This has nothing to do with the actual tuna fish. It still okay. has to do with the fish, but it has to do with catfish. Oh, uh, okay. I know. It's, it's confusing. But the reason why it's called the tuna festival is because of the Wawa people, which is one of the tribes uh, that is in Guyana. And their word for water is tuna. Coincidence? Yes. But their word for, for water is tuna, and this is known as the water festival, or the, the tuna festival. Hmm. What? You're staring at me weird. Nothing. It's just something smells fishy, that's all. Oh, very, very funny. I'm the, I'm the one who's supposed to make puns, Brian. <laughs> I've had to fill the, fill the void in your absence. Oh, dear Lord. I'm so sorry, listeners. No, no, this is, this is, this is a legitimate thing. Um, the, the town of Bartisa which has a population of about 5,000. It's been celebrating this tradition for a really, really long time. And it goes back to, I believe it was about the late 19th century is the first recorded instance of it. Uh, and in this festival, you have not just the Wawa people, but also the tribes from all over the, the region. Sometimes 20 or 30,000 people end up in this one tiny little village for just, you know, tiny little town for, for a couple of days. And the idea is... That you have, you know, music and dance and food and the traditional kind of festival going on, right? There's boat races, um, swimming, all sorts of fun stuff that has to do with the water. But the the last day of the festival is when you have the big event. And this is known as the Pui Teka. And I'm probably saying that wrong as well, but that's the local word for it. And it means catfish dance. So how do you dance with a catfish? How do you imagine you would dance with a catfish? Go up to it politely and ask... Right, you have to take one fin and bow. <laughs> now, I have no idea. You would dance with your feet, right? Oh, sure. So what the men who are attending the festival will do is they'll go down to the waterfront and they'll they'll strip their shoes off. And then either like a female family member, like a sister or a wife or a mother, bait their feet with fish and in, entrails, in, in fish guts. And then they place their feet in the water and dangle them until a catfish latches on. Have you seen, um, what's it called? There's a, there's a show on Animal Planet all about catching, like, largemouth bass and catfish with your hands. It's like okay, a reality okay. TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a lot like that. And it was okay. partially inspired by traditions like this that have to do with bare, bare hand catching. 
In this case, that it has to do with their feet. And this is one technique to use. You literally bait your, your hand in some situations. The, the fish latches right on. But the challenge is to do it with one's feet. And you have to use only your feet to wrangle the fish on shore, your feet and your legs. You can't use your hands. And actually, some of the older women in the village police the shores. They walk up and down and they kind of disqualify people who are caught using their hands, you know, which is instinctive to do, right? When you've got this giant catfish. And they're huge. They're absolutely enormous. They're super uh, yeah, heavy. Yeah, totally. Uh, at the end of the festival, though, whoever ends up having the biggest catfish usually kind of wins the prestige of the of the festival. And then they all cook them and, and share them with their, with their families locally. So it's... It sounds bizarre, but it's not without precedence. In fact, the first time that this was recorded was from uh, from a Danish seaman and uh, merchant trader by the name of Elbert Viesiers uh, back in 1687. It was the first time this method of catching fish was actually recorded. Hmm. Yeah, pretty bizarre. But, you know, as they say, truth is stranger than fiction. Indeed it is. Or in this case, truer than fishing. ha, <laughs> <laughs> ha. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, and would you look at that the tempo ripped opening in nine moments notice not a moment too soon <laughs> and who do we have today uh i don't it doesn't really look familiar no. um, uh hi how's it hi there uh um who are you oh um dr livingston oh oh Interesting. I feel like I should be presuming something. Anyway, uh, what are, what are you uh, here for today? Um, well, you see, I've gotten myself a bit lost, and I was looking about to see if I could find a map, and I found a piece of paper on it that I thought was giving me the directions I was looking for, because believe it or not, I was actually looking for the Amazon, and I found this paper that had Amazon written on it, and I presume that you are Brian and you are Eric? Oh, that's... Yeah, see, that, the, that's a shipping envelope for Amazon. Uh, Amazon.com. Amazon.com, not the Amazon jungle or river, for that matter. Yeah. You, I mean, it's it's great, though. I'm sure you could buy a map. I mean, you could buy a lot of things on Amazon. Oh, absolutely. You yeah. could buy anything. Tons of stuff. We have listed on Movies there. Movies about maps. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. If you wanted to. Books, wide variety sure. of books on maps and cartography. Sure. And in fact, we have an affiliation with Amazon. We do. Right? We do. Which we do. Um, all of our movies that we post on Nerds on Film, um, most of them have a link. Uh, are you saying you don't have a map? Well, we have a a map of, uh, of an expedition. Oh, very good. I'll use that. Thank you so much. Um, Goodbye! The, we did the colonies of North America. Yeah, that was the there. Lewis and Clark map that Sarah brought back from vacation, right? Yep, that was. Well, Sarah will be heartbroken. Yeah. Dr. Livingston's kind of an ass. He doesn't really listen. No. I'm not really all that surprised that he kind of got himself in a bit of trouble. Anyway, um, but you know, it's fine. You know, let's, yeah, let's, he'll be okay. Speaking of the Amazon, we, like I said, we have our uh, uh, affiliation with Amazon.com. If you go to any of our Nerds on Film posts, more often than not, we have a link you can click on that if you were to buy that film or anything from Amazon.com, we get helped out with a small commission. And we are working on putting an Amazon ad on our page as well under our affiliate widget on the right side. So that's so, coming soon, ladies and gentlemen. Indeed. But the, in the meantime, you can go back to our old posts and click on the links from there. Yeah. Um, like, for example, Casablanca is a big one. We just posted one from Masters of the Universe. And if you wanted week. to buy us a Lewis and Clark map to replace the one that Sarah's Yeah, because now we kind of need one. Yeah, because Sarah's going to be pissed. Yeah. yeah. It's very... Um, very upsetting. It's, it's it's a scary thing when she's angry. Yeah, it's it's. I don't want to be in the room with her when it happens. Yeah. Um, shall we move on? <laughs> Absolutely. 
I, I have another one if it's okay if I bring another one. Because I know I just did one. But if you don't mind, if I throw another one out there. Go right ahead. I can be selfish. I know it's my first episode back. So I can You've listen. been gone for a while. You've yeah. been in a coma. I think you should, I should humor you. Uh, this one I wanted to bring up because of my, my experience and my history in museums. And this is International Parchment and Paper Day, which is held internationally on July 12th of every year. And it has been since 1974. Uh, it was originally passed as part of a UNESCO resolution to the United Nations uh, to create the International Parchment and Paper Day. Uh, and it was done by a gentleman that I revere very much, and that is Dr. Stray Pergamon. Uh, he was a Czech professor, uh, now since passed. He passed away in, in 1992. And he was an art history professor at Charles University in Prague and was a pioneer in the field of museum studies, something that I hold very close and near and dear to me. And the holiday is recognized in all of the UN charter countries, except for one. It is not recognized in Armenia, for some reason. Uh, and it was created to promote the safe treatment and preservation of historically important paper and parchment artifacts. So, you know, really old Bibles, uh, ancient pieces of, of manuscript or what have you, like you would find in Egypt, uh, from around the world. It's kind of not cool that it doesn't include clay tablets from Mesopotamia, but whatever, you know, that's okay. I mean, the idea is is, is good and the, the intent was was good behind it. And what I find most interesting is the time that it was created, hmm. because not only was it created by a Czech professor, but it was actually held annually, the, the big celebration for it in the National Gallery in Prague, which was part of then Czechoslovakia. And as we know, of course, during the Cold War, again, referencing one of our listener feedbacks, was under communist rule. So holding it there and having countries who are not communists come and visit and participate was pretty controversial at the time. Uh, and it continued to be held in Prague until 18, or sorry, 1989, uh, when it was actually moved to the Museum of Paper, Parchments, and Writing Utensils in Paris, France, where it remained for about 12 years until it finally returned in 2001, which would have also been the 100th birthday of Dr. Pergamon. Uh, I will say that he was recognized for his efforts, if not fully recognized, because in 1984, he was actually put up for a nomination for the Nobel Prize, but he did lose to Bishop Desmond Tutu, which is kind of a hard act uh, to follow. Yeah, no kidding. And he he acknowledged it. And this is actually, this is a quote that I used to use a long time ago um, when I was working in museums, and I would, I would talk a lot about preservation and conservation. Uh, but he's quoted as saying afterwards, it's one of my favorites, beaten for parchment by a man of parchment. Well, I wouldn't have had it any other way. There you have it. Yeah, he was a cool guy. He was a pretty cool guy and created his very own holiday. In fact, there's a lot of days like that, aren't there? There are, in fact. And since you mentioned International uh, Parchment and Paper Day, I would like to talk about International Talk Like a Pirate Day. Our, our mateys. I have to ask you, though. Yeah. What is a pirate's favorite month? All the ones that end in R. Or have it included, like March. March. Okay. Or September. <laughs> or, for that matter, October. Or November. Or December. Or January. It could pretty much be anything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just wanted to say that. I'm glad you got that out. <laughs> <laughs> Augustur. Uh, this holiday is completely ridiculous, but it is it is a not an officially recognized holiday, but it has gained surprising amount of steam, mostly thanks to the internet. <laughs> and Johnny Depp. And Johnny Depp, indeed. This started off as just honestly... A couple of guys starting off saying, we want to start a holiday, and let's start something totally ridiculous, like National Talk Like a Pirate Day. And uh, 
these guys got mentioned in an article by journalist Dave Barry uh, in his nationally syndicated newspaper column in 2002. And uh, since then, uh, it's become just this weird occurrence where people across the world now will take a day, which in this case is September 19th, and, you know, go, Arr, how be you today, me hearty? You know, and things like that. And it, it has spawned a website. It has spawned talklikeapirate.com, where you can go and you can learn how to do it, get advice, pirate advice, um, buy pirate paraphernalia. And they even have a map of all uh, the stuff that the festivities that took place all across the world. And it's quite an impressive uh, map. You can see lots of X's marking the spot uh, across the whole page. A lot of it seems to happen north of the equator, but there's quite a bit that happens, you know, uh, in southern tips of uh, in southern tip of South America and in Africa, places where obviously the pirate trade would have been very very uh, prominent during the you know the, the 17th and 18th centuries. So um, really really absurd, and I'm sure this is huge in in Washington state. Uh, because if they don't like uh, their sparkling vampires there, they also like their pirates oh, as absolutely. well. Uh, when I was in Seattle a few years ago, it was like all twihards and pirates. That's yeah. literally all it was. And they were fighting, too. It was bloody. <laughs> I will say, though, there is a pirateglossary.com uh, where if you want to do this authentic, you want to do it right, you don't look like an ass, right? Uh, you can go there and you can find a wide variety of things uh, to say. Such as? Grog Blossom, for example. Grog Blossom... Redness, are you grog blossom? <laughs> no, 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 no. No. As in, are you've been drinking a bit too much of that rum because you've got the grog blossom. Ah, uh, gotcha. A redness on the nose or face of a person who drinks uh, spirits to excess. Oh, gin blo- it's basically gin blossoms is what it yeah. is. Yeah. But grog blossom. Gotcha. Okay. Makes sense. Or heave to. An interjection meaning to come to a halt. Heave to. Yes. Gotcha. Everything seems to downward and inflect when you're a pirate. Yeah. Yar. Yar. It definitely seems to go that way, doesn't it? Indeed, it does. We, I, I challenge us to do an entire episode. Not tonight. But do an entire episode on pirates talking like pirates. So, so what you're trying to say is you want to lose as many listeners as possible. I think our listeners would find it <laughs> hilarious. And in fact, an if you guys... An entire episode? An entire episode. I would lose my voice. I, I think you I would think slip you into would. Christian Bale, Batman... Far too often. No, I would not. I I am a trained actor, sir. I can pull this off. And I think you think you can too. Listen, Where are the blooms? <laughs> Where are the blooms? <laughs> you want to give it to an ordinary citizen? <laughs> Uh, where is it where is it the blooms <laughs> as funny as that would be I, i'm actually quite serious we should totally do this in fact listeners if you do want us to do it the whole history of pirates while talking like pirates uh please vote by tweeting us at nerdonomy or on our facebook page dave will ask a question or a poll he might put up a poll yeah. for us and we will we will get you to put our your opinion out there because I kind of want to do it. Eric's not all that enthused, I can tell. But uh, let's let our listeners decide, shall we? Okay, fair enough. I'm about as enthused as the spasming in my lower back right now. So that means you're really quite excited then. I am. The spasming is terrible. <laughs> did I already tell everyone that my I threw out my back? You I think did. I started saying it, and then I, I trailed off into something else. Yeah, no, so, yeah you did throw out your back. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and for and for the most ridiculous of reasons too, which we won't get into on the, on, on the podcast. But it was it was nothing physically that was supposed to be physically strenuous at all. So it, it's better than you know you pulling my I once pulled my groin in my sleep. Okay, moving on. 
Okay, let's, let's move on, it, shall let's we? Bring it back in. Yeah, let's, let's bring it back in. Bring it back in. Um, let's bring it back to uh, Spain for a moment, if we will, to the uh, Basque fishing town of La Quitillo. And it's, uh, it's individuals who participate in the Day of the Geese. What would you imagine in, is involved in the Day of the Geese? Well, if it's the Day of the Geese as opposed to the Day of the Goose, I would think that it involves, you know, honoring a flock of birds that, are, that, are, that have come to land for the season. Unlike the Day of the Goose, which is something entirely, totally different and very popular in college towns. That's in right. Which that's you right. grab one's rear, which um, that's always fun. Yeah, sure. You know, if not, yeah. potentially a lawsuit uh, <laughs> inducing, but... Well, no, this has nothing to do with grabbing one's oh, thank posterior. God. No. I'm relieved. Um, it has to do with decapitating a goose. Wow. Really? Yeah. A greased up goose. <laughs> do they plan to eat the goose or... Imagine the worst pinata ever. And that's what you have here. You have a goose that's hung over the bay... <laughs> On sorry. So instead of the kids getting candy, no, they're getting entrails. Yeah, exactly. And blood. <laughs> Dear God. Yeah, and gizzards. Dear God. Yeah. That sounds horrific. So there's, there's on one side of the harbor is a big rope on a pulley and a dead goose on there. It used to be a live goose, and they put an end to that. It's a dead goose now. So it's decapitated. No, it's not. That's the whole point. All the oh. young men in the village line up on the other side of the harbor, and they jump onto the goose... In an attempt to decapitate the bird. By pulling on its neck? By pulling on its neck until the head comes off. And it's greased up so people are slipping off. And if you're successful in doing it, decapitating the goose, your prize is the remaining part of the goose. Now, if you are not successful, or there is or, uh, like, a, um, like a debate between who it was who actually did the actual deed, you know, who actually ripped the head off, then they have to have a boat race around a small island... Uh, that the harbor surrounds. Well, PETA must love this holiday. That's why it's a dead goose now. It used to be a live goose. Wow. And the tradition is very, very old, but it has gotten uh, a lot of attention in recent years. Uh, its festival has been known to be celebrated for over 350 years uh, and actually takes place from uh, September 1st through the 8th. Very cool. Very cool. I mean, I shouldn't have said it was, uh, sounds horrific. I mean, it is pretty gruesome. And if you're kind of squeamish, like, you know, most people who don't slaughter animals, um, it's probably hard to watch. But nevertheless, uh, hey, you get a free goose dinner out of it. Yeah. That's a plus. That's a win. And if not, then you get exercise in your arms for racing. Boats. Oh, sure. I'm yeah. sure. Because rowing is good for you. Absolutely. Excellent for the cardiovascular system. Totally. Well, I've got another one. Um, this is uh, going back to uh, Eastern Europe in bosnia and in fact they celebrate this holiday on february 14th it's their version of valentine's day oh and it's called the goli probiyanj dana goli probiyanj 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 dana okay yes which translates to naked punching day oh lovely yeah uh, and uh, what this involves is it's um, you know it's it's basically romance and violence is what it is, two things that you know naturally go hand in hand. So anyway, when a young man is looking to court a young woman, uh, he sends her a note, of course, expressing interest, and she sends a note back, um, you know, with her yes or no, and if she says yes, the boy goes to the young woman's house, and instead of her answering the door, it is her father who answers the door. Mm. And he is stark naked. 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 It's mostly meant as a way to intimidate the young man. 
I would be pretty intimidated if my father in law was a test of honor. Naked. It's a total test of right honor. Me, yeah. Very much like it's some things are universal. If a man were to do that now, we'd call the police. But in this case, it's more socially accepted. There are different modesty rules about nudity in Europe than there are in the United States. But nevertheless, you would be caught off guard. And presumably the young man knows this is coming. Yes, you know. he knows exactly what he's what he's getting into. What's even more interesting is the the father strikes a conversation on the doorstep with the young man and then at some point in the conversation when the young man is expecting it the least the father punches him in the face but here's the here's the true test if the young man can regain consciousness within three or four hours guaranteed marriage that's a very generous amount of time it is it is a very generous amount so of time. i mean you got to get there early mm-hmm. i mean if imagine. you're gonna go out to dinner at like yeah. six you got to get there at like two in the afternoon yeah yeah, you have to make a whole day out of this, and there's also you know occasionally if you hit too hard, you know you also have to factor in hospital time. There have been sure. around this time of years concussions, obviously a skyrocket. Yeah, I imagine some of these fathers do this quite energetically. Oh, this, they say they train all year, and it's really sad because sometimes they sometimes you know there's hemorrhaging that's that's involved, and wow. it's actually it's you know there it's the risks of. If I'm a 16 year old kid and, I, and I'm with wearing fists. my best suit. My potential future father-in-law breaks my nose and I bleed all over. I'm going to be pissed. As it's a, a strange as, holiday. As, as, it is very strange. But then again, that is the motif. Of the episode. For, for today, exactly. Uh, I think, God, we're running out of steam. Do you, do you, how many more do you have? I've just got one more. You got one more? I just want to okay. f- finish us off with a good one. Go ahead. Uh, and this actually comes uh, from Scotland. From Shetland. Uh <laughs> I think of ponies when I think of Shetland. So I just, just the way you said it, you said it was such oomph. Shetland. Shetland uh, in Scotland. And it all has to do with marking the end of the Yule season. You see, but most Scots would say that doesn't, it's not authentic. Why? Because we can understand what you're saying. Oh. Uh, well, I wasn't going for authentic. Yeah. You're yeah. just going for the, going for the, the suggestion. Yeah. Of it. Okay. Understood. Yeah. Yeah. Continue. Um, and it's called Up Hell Yeah. Up Hell Yeah. I love up hell, that. Up, up hell yeah. Excuse up hell yeah? Me. Well, I say up hell yeah. Up, up hell, hell yeah. yeah. To up hell yeah. Up hell yeah. Yeah. It, it, um, it's a very interesting holiday. Uh, and it all has to do with the recreation of a Viking longship, which participants in the festival then dress as Vikings with, you know, recreated weaponry and what have you. And they go all out for it. I mean, these things are worked on all year long and they look really really nice and they appoint one of these individuals as the jarl and the jarl is the the host essentially of the festival and you have to be 15 years or older to to be the jarl uh because you have to carry around a torch and the idea is that all of the individuals who are participating in this festival uh carry torches with them and actually once it gets dark surround the longship with their torches and do kind of like a procession. Uh, and then they throw the torches onto the ship and they burn it in a very Viking-esque fashion. Uh, Sounds like fun. It does sound like fun. And it actually all evolved from squads of young men dragging around and burning barrels of tar back in the uh, in the 1870s to 1880s. And eventually that was outlawed, as one might imagine. And that's when they introduced the first galley that they would burn instead uh, in 1889. Sounds like a lot of fun to me. Yeah, it does sound like a lot of fun. Yeah, I, would, I, I mean, love to if you're going to get drunk in the middle of winter, you might as well burn a long ship, too. You know, fire and alcohol just are natural companions. They are. Yeah, they absolutely so are. It totally makes sense. It does. And I think I wish more countries had a holiday like this. 
I would get on a boat to do this. Not the boat they're going to burn, <laughs> but I would get on a boat. And you know how much I hate boats. That's true. You saying I, that is really something. This is a man who would, his legs would shake if he were to get on Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Which is a boat that's pulled by a rope that never actually floats. It's the illusion of floating. Just, I just got chills just thinking of it. He almost vomited. It's it's, <laughs> it's actually kind of... He had gagged, and I and I, I stopped it. So <laughs> Thank you. Um, um, so, yeah. Apelia. And Apelia. that is our last yeah. addition. It, you know, we've got, we've got some real quick honorable mentions that we have to bring up. Sure. Have to have to bring up. And they're not going to be necessarily chronological order either. Well, first of all, my favorite uh, January 2nd, uh, National Run It Up the Flagpole and See If Anyone Salutes Day. <laughs> so you can put, you know. You underwear. F- underwear, of course. You Vegetables, know. like radishes. Uh, flag of Krypton, for example. Sure. See sure. if someone uh, promotes it. This Togo's napkin. This Togo's napkin. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know? Let's see here. Uh, February 11th, Don't Cry Over Spilt Milk Day. Uh, February 12th, National Plum Pudding Day. Which is Ooh, very, that sounds fun. Very, very interesting. February twenty sixth is Tell a Fairy Tale Day. Tell a ferret, a fairy tale day. Tell a fairy tale day. Yeah. Oh, I thought you told it to a ferret. Uh, March sixteenth, I love uh, everything you do is right day. Hmm. I'm pretty sure everything I did that day was right. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> of course, March twenty sixth, make up your own holiday day. So uh, there you go. Are you sure that's not April first? <laughs> no, April first <laughs> is actually National Fun Day or slash Fun at Work Day, oh. which we celebrated today by. Mostly watching YouTube videos. Continuing on here, uh, April 14th, right before tax day, is uh, International Moment of Laughter Day, preceded by the next day of National That Sucks Day. <laughs> uh, I wish I was making these up. These are all 100% real. Of course, May 4th. Or are they? International Star Wars Day. Oh, May, May the 4th. Exactly. Yeah. May the 4th be with you. That's how you celebrate. Let's see here. June 2nd, Go Barefoot Day. Uh, one I think that's true near and near to our hearts, July 13th on Sunday is this year will be Embrace Your Geekness Day. For the more the more creative types, um, the International Left-Handers Day is Wednesday, Octo- uh, August 13th of this year. Um, for those who spend way too much time in front of their computers, like Eric, uh, there is the Race Your Computer Mouse Day on uh, August 30th of this year. I have a really nice one. Sure. It's called a razor. Um, who could not Sounds fast. go through fall? without September 22nd, um, Elephant Appreciation Day. See, for me, every day is Elephant Appreciation yeah. Day. And you can do your bit by not going to the circus. So that's definitely... African. A socially responsible one. Indian. Definitely. Pygmy. Um, I'm a fan of them all. You can also harbor all of your negative feelings and save them for October 12th, which is International Moment of Frustration Day. So that's good. November 7th, which is Bittersweet Chocolate with Almonds Day. Okay. Interesting. Uh, November 30th, <laughs> I'm getting there, uh, is stay at home because you are well day. So that's not bad. But I think one of the absolute best of this is December 16th, National Chocolate Covered Anything Day. Mm. Yes. And then uh, there are some fictional hol- holidays uh, that are still recognized by loyal fans. For example, Towel Day is a uh, May 25th as a tribute to Douglas Adams. Of course. Who, of course. Always wrote, have to have your towel everywhere you go. Which, of course, if you don't know, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, shame on you. Lay down, put your towel in between your ankles, and prepare for light speed. And uh, I have to say, I'm a big fan of uh, National Gorilla Suit Day on January 31st. Excellent day to play pranks on people um, with that. And then um, I think that about uh, rounds it up. Yep. Sure does. Now, just to clarify, each and every one of those is real. 
Each and every one of those was Those real. are not included in our challenge for which of the holidays that we've listed as fake. Correct. All of those are real. All of those are... But anything before that could very well have been BS or could have been absolutely real. Yes. And listeners, it's up to you to let us know which is the real one, which is the fake one. And the easiest way to do this, I think, is as you're listening to the episode or you're going back and re-listening to the episode, uh, just go ahead and mark it down the best approximate name for it if we didn't say a name for it. I think all of them had a name. Uh, And then write that in an email, whether it's true or false. Send that to us via email. Yeah, the nerds at nerdonomy.com. And we will go ahead and we'll read the results out uh, officially in a future episode. Yeah. And uh, we'll, of course, announce our winner and include in that email something, a special topic that you want covered. As long as it's not obscene, we'll do it. That's your challenge Agreed. to you, ladies and gentlemen. Agreed. And, uh, of course, reach out to us through our social media, right, on uh, Twitter and Facebook at Nerdonomy. We will continue to answer the Ask His Questions about weird holidays and we'd like to know the ones that we left off the list ones you will want to share with us that you know of and continue that conversation and you know while you're on the internet while you're there why don't we go to nerdonomy.com and uh help us out with the donation yes we have the ads and our affiliates but we do still take support from users directly and you can go to our donate link at the very top of our websites on every page and you can help us out with a small or moderate to large amount of money. It depends. We, we will accept all of it. We will accept gold blooms, as we we've, we've made clear we've said in this that episode. As well. And golden tickets. Or chocolate-covered money. Which, know, like we will, which we'll find delicious, but then we will want to know, if you could afford chocolate-covered money, why just not just give us the money directly? Yeah. Because that'll make us sad. And also kind of fat. Uh, jittery because of the sugar. Yeah, yeah and, so. and, and fat. Exactly. And the cholesterol. Don't even want to think about it. So anyway... Well, Mr. Moriarty, this has been fun. It's been fun. This has been a fun return. I'm glad that we we did this on our return episode. And, and I'm glad some... you haven't. I'm glad you haven't passed out from the excruciating pain you're in right now. I am so doped up on medication right now. It's not even funny. But I'm in a lot of pain. <laughs> it's fine as long as I don't move, breathe, or laugh. Um, so thanks for all of that, Brian. Uh, I will say, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we will be back, of course. Of course, we will be back next week. Same nerd time, same nerd channel, nerdonomy.com. Bye-bye. Oh my god, did, did you throw it back again? No, there's something in my eye. Oh. Ah! <laughs> <laughs>